Welcome to The Edges of Lean. I'm Bella Engelbach, and in this podcast, we explore the human and creative side of lean thinking, unusual places where lean thinking is practiced. We meet people who are practicing continuous improvement in many different flavors and styles. So come along with me on a journey to the edges of lean. Episode 72, Continuously Improving a Culture for Innovation with Nobea Majerus. Nobea Majerus loved being an engineer in part because he was better with numbers than with people. But when Nobea was entrusted with leading the lean innovation transformation at Goodyear, he had to build his skills with people. He's written a new book that shines a light on the human side of a lean innovation culture and what leaders need to learn about themselves to drive positive culture change. He joined me to tell his story. Now, Bev and Bajiris, welcome to the Edges of Lean. Hello, thanks for inviting me, Bella. Well, it's so much fun to have you because you and I go way back with the Lean Product and Product Process and Product Development Exchange. We've known each other for a long time. And I think we're really interested in a lot of the same things, which is product development and innovation and something about the culture that's important yeah. for that. Um, so can you tell everybody about yourself and how did you get to do and think some of the things that you're working on now? Well, yeah, um, I, uh, you may uh, notice from my accent, I did not uh, grow up um, uh, speaking English. I, um, I grew up in Europe, in Luxembourg. I uh, got my education in, in Germany. I'm an engineer, um, actually a chemist. And um, I uh, uh, eventually uh, moved to, to, the, to the States. I worked for Google um, in Luxembourg, actually, and uh, got transferred to the United States. I did spend my whole career on innovation. Many different facets of innovation, uh, the, the product, the, the, the manufacturing processes, and uh, even uh, got involved uh, in uh, marketing, even in finance, it or not. And um, I always enjoyed it. I have 60 uh, patents, just counting the American patents. So I really learned how to do innovation. And um, But... Um, I also have to admit, Bella, I think I became an engineer because I didn't like to work with people. And I have to admit that. Uh, and I was always very happy, like Six Sigma, just give me the problem, give me the data and leave me alone. I uh, will figure it out. Don't bother me. So you were, whenever you, you I, were, sorry. yeah, I was going to say, you were what I think people think of as being the typical engineer, right? You're, you're much I, more yes. comfortable with the numbers than with the people. The numbers and the computer, and uh, any time I had uh, um, uh, a conflict came up with people, uh, I think I uh, I lost out on it. So, and um, unfortunately, uh, well, maybe fortunately, uh, when I got involved in lead, I learned a totally different approach to uh, to dealing with people. The respect for people, humble leadership and everything, that's what really uh, made the difference for me. And after I learned all that, I uh, I, I don't say that now I'm, I'm, I'm good at dealing with people. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that, but at least I'm comfortable with it. And I really uh, regret that I didn't learn that earlier in my career. 
and especially, uh, I mean, the German education is fantastic, uh, especially if it's technical, but uh, there again, uh, the people don't teach the skills in college. They don't teach them in Europe. They don't teach them here. Uh, you, you learn them when you go to work. You learn them uh, by making mistakes. Uh, I learned them extremely slowly. And I have, as I said, I, all these management classes that I took, things didn't uh, ring a bell. But when I learned it, the, the, the lean approach, all of a sudden it started to register and it started to make sense. So uh, uh, that kind of uh, got me into uh, not only thinking about the processes, but it's process and people and culture and uh -huh. everything at the same time. Uh, fortunately, uh, I did learn it early enough. At Goodyear, I, um, I was uh, responsible for the, the lean transformation at the three global uh, innovation centers. Um, about uh, over 2,000 people uh, involved in those uh, innovation centers. Uh, at the beginning, I thought it was all about processes, but then I learned very quickly, this is not about processes. This is about changing the people. This is about uh, changing the culture. And um, uh, that is right now um, became, uh, I know how important it is. And uh, today when I talk about lean, when I talk about innovation, I talk probably even more about the culture, about the people than about the processes uh, themselves. And I think you had a similar experience, Bellara, right? I, I did, I did, yeah, because I, you know, I came into lean through a very different industry, but, um, you know, starting out as a, as a scientist and being interested in science and then, you know, becoming fascinated by process and learning a lot about process and then getting frustrated when I found that people didn't want to follow process, <laughs> which means you have to you have to work on the people. And then I think the thing that you're talking about here is is not just about changing everybody else. It's about something that happens to yourself as a leader. Right. And I thought it was so lovely what you said that you're still not 100 <laughs> percent there right you still have things to work on in terms of that kind of leadership uh, and you recognize that that's a skill to develop to you know, the respect for people we it's, we have to we have we struggle to understand it and then we struggle to develop that skill and we strive to overcome all of the things in ourselves that get in the way so what were some of the things that you found You've talked about your education and the wonderful technical education. Was it just the education that stood in your way? Um, or were there other things that you found that really got in the way of you um, becoming as, as facile with this as you would like to be? Okay, I would uh, first say uh, uh, the examples. You, you learn that from uh, watching other people. And I had mm. the great people that I um, uh, that influenced uh, my career absolutely fabulous people but I also had um, um, uh, people uh, that um, that it was they had their agenda uh, for their career and so on and I could never figure it out if I had at least figured it out I would have known uh, but uh, then trying to um, uh, emulate uh, uh, such behaviors and such people um, that didn't work for me. And, um, and then also, as I mentioned, the, 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 the typical leadership training, yes, that was very useful um, uh, stuff that, uh, that you learned. But uh, I, I, I always had a hard time uh, 
to go back to work and then see it uh, uh, in 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 all the in all the people, and uh, but I also have to now say that uh, ever since um, uh, I uh, I've seen lean cultures, now it's easy to see because now it's consistent and um, and it's easy to see and uh, and it's easy to follow and it is easy to um, uh, to to learn from it. And uh, but then also I have to say that uh, the what what we call a lean culture uh, gives you more um, uh, chances to uh, to experiment and develop yourself. I, I like to call it a good primer. You you have uh, if you do gamba walks and all those things that are now all of a sudden there, uh, you you have. Um, that that interaction with the people and you get that feedback you get that feedback that you need to know uh, that you need to, for you to learn and to grow and i think that is uh, something that i only experienced uh, with the uh, in, in in the lean transformation so uh, i think that's a very important point you give people the opportunity to develop themselves much more than in any other leadership courses that i ever took and, and I think that that's also very interesting what you said that that when you are actually at the Gemba, when you are working with other people and have the opportunity to see leaders and see other leaders and what they're doing, the things they're saying, how they they welcome questions, how they are supportive instead of being you know not supportive, all you know all of those things, that gives you then an opportunity to internalize some of that, right? And to practice it yourself because you have those examples right in front of you um which it, yeah so and if, but if you're in the kind of culture where everybody sits in their own office and you only see each other occasionally you just don't get you don't have that, those rapid opportunities for observation and learning from the observation so so good year you would responsible for this um this lean transformation um across the innovation centers when i think about um tires and obviously you know that's not my business when i think about tires well you know i you know i think well what what could you possibly innovate with tires but i know that they're a lot different now than the way they were, you know, I guess when they were sort of just, uh, you know, attaching some rubber to wheels and, and seeing what happened, including changes in materials. One of the things that you you told me in a in a conversation a while ago was how much of that work is now done in silico. It's not done, you know, with with physical objects, and that's just an amazing transformation. Were you going through that transformation as you were going through this cultural transformation? Yeah, it did, and I think here you bring up uh, another great subject that I uh, that, that I would like to develop a little further. This uh, we talked about the lean culture, but we also have to talk about the culture of innovation. And mm -hmm. uh, since uh, uh, since we are talking about uh, tires, uh, let me give you two examples here uh, that happened within one week okay, in my career. I um, I moved uh, to Akron, Ohio, and um, before that, uh, I was uh, responsible for aircraft tires, the most conservative business in the world, I tell you. It, I mean, a change to an aircraft tire requires you uh, certification and uh, all kinds of approvals and uh, for safety reasons, obviously. And um, uh, so I uh, started with uh, in, in an area where 
uh, the uh, changes not happening very often. And if you ever seen an aircraft tire, it has just straight ribs in them. And a young engineer and invent person as I was, I invented the tire with curved ribs. And I actually uh, got it approved, got it certified, everything. And I made minimum viable products. This was in 1984 or 1982. I made minimum viable products and they were actually flying on a plane, on a cargo uh, uh, 747 at that time. And uh, when I came- to And that was a long time week, before people were talking about that, right? Before they were course. talking about minimal viable products, yeah. But, uh, uh, and all, but uh, most of that stuff uh, uh, we did and you did it too. We just called it differently. So within one week, here, the first, the first meeting that I had, it was with the head of the, the division and uh, the, the, the director. He didn't look in my eyes, but he mumbled something and uh, to the extent that um, uh, he heard about uh, this no good uh, person in a foreign country who did tires with curved ribs. And, uh, uh, but he made uh -huh. it very clear then that if these tires ever make it on a plane, he would personally fire the not so good guy who invented them. And oh my that gosh. was the end of the meeting and nobody said a word. Okay. Uh, so in the same week now, I uh, am uh, in the office. That's actually why I came to, uh, by the way, the tires uh, today, if you look at them, they have straight ribs. And the reason is, you know the reason why. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, nobody would dare to think about anything else after this meeting because everybody was in that meeting uh, 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 there. And uh, in the same week, I'm meeting with the vice president of R&D uh, to make a proposal uh, for a totally new um, uh, concept of a tire. And um, I, um, uh, I received funding actually several million dollars of discretionary funding to pursue wow. my idea. This happened in the same week. Strange, isn't it? So there is, there was that culture that, uh, the, because that was a great project. It actually became, uh, was quite successful. It, um, uh, the, a plant was built to make that product. Um, and uh, it was actually a uh, retreading product. And um, uh, the, the project uh, became very successful. So not everything was done right, of course. Many, many, many mistakes that I uh, even personally made. However, the company had that opportunity to give a person uh, the discretionary money. And I didn't have to worry about um, uh, anybody standing in my way. I uh, made a proposal. My proposal was accepted and I was allowed to move ahead. So it's kind of interesting um, the, the, the way you kill innovation and the way you mm -hmm. promote innovation happened in, uh, within, uh, within the same week in the same company. And Goodyear has done very well, by the way, in promoting the innovation. This, the first case, it, it always happens. They did that those things always happen. But as a general rule, um, many, many innovations that I was involved uh, with tires, like round flat tires, like tires that don't lose air, um, and uh, many, many other ones uh, that I was um, involved during my career, uh, 
and um, they were all very, very uh, successful. Uh, unfortunately, uh, there's no better way to um, uh, to ride on than air. There's nothing cheaper and lighter than air, so that won't disappear so soon. And rubber, uh, by its nature, is uh, what keeps you on the road. So that's not going to change that. Uh, and I was even involved in the plastic tire, uh, but uh, that uh, was a concept that uh, did not uh, work so well. But uh, and and my colleagues, uh, I. Um, uh, Goody has just recently uh, launched another uh, tire I read in the news uh, for electrical vehicles in conjunction with Tesla. I mean, there's uh, room for innovation. It's not obvious. You have to think about it. But uh, it was there. It was always there. And it will always be there. Just um, uh, let it happen and uh, maybe promote it a little. But, that's, but what you said is so critical, right? It's letting it happen. Because what that first boss did... You know, you were so fortunate, right? That you had those two things happen to you in the same week. But for some person, <laughs> so for some people, that first situation might have been the thing that made them decide, you know what? I'm never bringing up a good idea. I'm yeah, never, you know, yeah. I'm never, I, yeah. Uh, that That is what is critical. And and isn't it interesting though, Norbert? See, so when we're talking about, particularly about lean product development, and we talk about this idea that you want, you always want to have your, your safe option, right? You want to, you yeah, want you to can. have the thing that you know that works, but psychologically, do we, particularly people who are more experienced, get so wedded to that safe option that they can't look at any other options, right? Yeah. Like, like we know, we are now so sure that we don't have room for other opportunities. I think it's a very dangerous place to be as an experienced person to yeah. be sure like that yes i uh, i believe um, and i thought about this a lot uh, especially um, in terms of uh, creating that culture innovation and by the way um, i have seen many examples where a, a very rigid lean culture based on all standard work and uh, so on mm -hmm. is not really promoting innovation however there's also so many other examples in the lean startup and in uh, in people's careers like uh, i uh, i experienced them myself that really um, uh, are not very difficult uh, to create the synergy between these two uh, cultures and uh, for me the big thing about uh, innovation is fear and it's fear on everybody's it's fear on the leadership side this director was scared to death that somebody would do something that could cause a bad name to the company and a bad reputation to his organization. He was scared to death about that. Uh, and then, but what did he do? He installed the fear in me and everybody else. Like uh, bad things will happen to you if you uh, continue this thing. So uh, what you call that more intimidation than, than anything else. So mm -hmm. that's a, a, a very big factor. So for me, it was uh, how can we uh, give people this safe option, as you said? And I think um, uh, a lot of um, uh, uh, you and me did them in our career. I did them a lot. But a lot of these points were uh, brought out in uh, all this lean startup thinking, where you um, uh, finally give people an option to experiment, uh, to experiment to make these tiny little um, uh, these tiny little experiments that uh, now 
give you a little bit more confidence that eliminate this fear. And um, uh, that is a very good uh, process, I think, to get around uh, both the, the fear on the side of the inventor and the, the side of the, uh, of the leadership. So uh, I, uh, I really get a lot out of, that, uh, out of that approach. However, there is one important caveat that, uh, that is, has, is not in any of these textbooks. You have to work along the risk scale. Because that's the risk scale creates the fear. So uh, the, the question is, what's the most critical question to answer about my yeah. new idea here? And that's the first one that I want to answer with minimum investment and minimum time. And I think that helps the inventor and it helps the leader. And um, uh, I think... Um, uh, that is a good learning, as I said. Uh, some of us did it uh, in our careers, uh, but I think, uh, I hope there comes a day where we teach that to the people, uh, where we teach that um, uh, to the leaders. And uh, so they have, uh, they can develop that confidence um, in, in that new thinking. And, uh, and it's, by the way, um, also help the investment because those little experiments don't cost very much. And if you do them right, right. you can do a hundred of them for the price that uh, that you did for a project uh, in at the time that uh, that I was out there pleading for my new ideas. So, and I think you know that's that is. I don't know if it's a real difference between sort of traditional lean culture and 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 a lean culture or a culture for innovation. But that idea of, of doing that risk assessment and discharging that risk as early as you can in the process so you, you so that you're not loading risk to the end of a, of a product development project is a little different from what I see some people do when they take an experimental approach to other lean work, which is, is, is sort of doesn't matter which piece of the problem you tackle next. Yes. And I, I, I agree with you. I think it's very important that you do that risk assessment and try to discharge the biggest risk as early as you can. Now, what happened to us in pharmaceutical development was that we couldn't always discharge that big risk as early as we would like because you would, you know, just because of the nature of the of the development process, sometimes there were other things you had to learn before you could get to that to that point of being able to do that right-sized experiment to decide, you know, is this risk what I think it is or not? You know, or is there a way to overcome overcome this risk? So, so what I always said to people was, you know, you want to identify what your highest risk is, and then you want to do those experiments as soon as you possibly can. It, you know, according to the development process. Um, but yeah, but uh, but what I see some people doing in Lena, I'd love for listeners, you know, to comment or reach out to me on a bear on LinkedIn and say to us, hey, this is why I think this way, is is just grab something and, and work on something, you know, overcome this, overcome the first problem that occurs to you. And that's not effective for product development because you end up with sometimes a really big risk at the end of the product project there when things go. are incredibly expensive and there we go. and you've spent a lot of money already and it's you know and that's where people go oh look at look how crazy they were they didn't realize that formulation of 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 uh, the soft drink that everybody would hate it you know 
How could they have not known that? That's how you end up in that situation is by not discharging that risk earlier. And uh, because, as I said before, fear for me uh, is the the, the number one uh, uh, feeling or whatever that gets in the way of a, of a culture of innovation. If you find a way to manage that, uh, you uh, uh, you are really doing the first big step, and it's not new. Even uh, Deming, uh, they, that was the number mm -hmm. one item even on his list: eliminate fear and um, make people comfortable uh, with uh, with the work they are doing. And it may be a little bit harder to do it with engineers and and leadership uh, in in a product development environment uh, than it is in a uh, in a factory environment, but. Uh, to me, uh, uh, that is uh, for me uh, the, the number one item uh, if you want to create an, um, uh, an, you know, a good innovation innovation culture. And uh, then, of course, uh, you need to give them, uh, uh, teach them the right principles and uh, and the right tools. But uh, that um, that uh, these emotional pieces they are the, the most difficult thing in a in a transformation and. Uh, uh, and, and I believe that's the one uh, you have to tackle first for uh, to, to create that uh, that that good uh, culture for for innovation to happen. I wanted to go back, Nobert, and and talk a little bit more about what you said about education and your education. So one of the things that I've been thinking about, and we've talked a little bit about on this podcast, is the impact of infant of education on people's psychological health. The people, I think people are coming out of the educational process with fear, in some cases having been traumatized by their professors, and now they go into the workplace and it makes it I think harder for them to grasp these concepts of how important it is to be eliminating fear. Um, and I was just wondering what you thought about that. Well, yeah, that is a good point, uh, but I want to take a little bit broader approach uh, to the education, if I may. Uh, we all learn in college how to do uh, science, right? Uh, we, uh, mm -hmm. I had to uh, learn it uh, like everybody else. And uh, you, you cannot write your thesis any other way. You have to really uh, make sure you turn over every stone and, um, and uh, get, get every detail. Uh, you, um, uh, you can do designed experiments, of course, that make it a little bit uh, more efficient. But then uh, the, the, the shock that you get when you go into the industry, uh, the, the industry does the time and the money to do it that way, Bella. And, uh, and you know that. And then uh, we start to um, uh, be confused, uh, really confused, uh, which, which I was. And um, uh, uh, um, so I hope that one of these days, I'm not saying the uh, uh, colleges uh, uh, get away from your scientific methods. No, they are important. But I do hope that uh, down the road, they teach the, uh, the, the, the students a little bit about uh, um, uh, that uh, when you go into the industry, your company may not have the time and the money to do it this way. And uh, so you have to do it a much more uh, cost-effective and a much faster way. And that's where the lean thinking and the special lean startup mm. comes in and does wonderful. So we can teach the kids those principles. But then we, we still forgot the major part, which is to prep the students 
for the real work environment. And now um, that was a big shock for me. Now all of a sudden I have uh, 15 people and everybody has a different agenda, even though the company agenda uh, may seem to be clear. Uh, uh, their, uh, their personal agendas, their career agendas, and all that kind of stuff um, uh, takes place now. And uh, you, I never understood any of that. And the companies um, uh, very rarely have a, cl uh, a clear people um, uh, agenda. And um, that confused me uh, completely. And, uh, and as I said, I tried to do this, I tried to do that, I tried to do that. And nothing really seems to help me. And I think um, that is something that I think we uh, 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 young people are not uh, prepared for when they uh, when they enter the uh, when they enter the, the, the workforce. And um, uh, I seen an example recently that really impressed me. And I don't want to name uh, give names of companies. Well, I could say uh, Toyota had uh, their hand in it, and and I uh, was very impressed with it. Uh, there was a um, an, an academic person who was actually on Toyota payroll, and his job was to take uh, seniors in college and so on into the workplace and teach them uh, to uh, uh, teach them what the workplace is like but also teach them uh, how to um, uh, prepare them for that. But um, the only little uh, uh, thing that uh, I have to mention here, he took him into a Toyota environment, which is a great environment, ah. uh, which is a unified, uh, which is a structured environment to develop people. Good. But I wish um, that there were people who take new students into an environment that is as um, uh, and I showed you the two dreams at Goodyear. So that's real life out there, and um, and, and people get very disoriented. I, I believe uh, when they go into the the workforce and they are not really prepared. Uh, they're not really well prepared for that. Uh, the cultural shock that um, that they may and there is a way to prepare them, and hopefully one day colleges pick that up and. Uh, and make sure they give people that uh, part of the education too. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine because if you go into Toyota and you you see what Toyota does to to develop people and and to orient people, um, and you think that's the way every company does it, um, and then you get a job with another company and you spend the first five weeks trying to figure out what the company objectives are and what your job is, and why your boss always seems like they're mad at you. Um, it's yeah you're right it has to be extremely disorienting yeah yeah so uh Nabet, tell us about your new book well uh i uh, uh i wrote my first book about my experience at goodyear by the way and uh, thank you goodyear uh, for letting me uh, uh, put that in writing and there's a lot of um, good stuff that i learned there but there was also stuff that uh, we hadn't done doing my time um, uh, there and uh, stuff that I learned afterwards and there's some stuff that um, that uh, uh, we didn't want to publish at that time either and uh, so that was an incentive to write the book but then as I wrote it I, um, uh, I um, 
uh, was very well aware of this uh, cultural piece that I've been talking about. And I believe if you ever want to embark on a, um, uh, on, a, on a lean transformation or becoming more innovative and so on, uh, I think it, uh, the culture is something you have to do at the same time you do uh, the processes and everything else. And um, uh, I, uh, uh, I, I was able to uh, get that message uh, in, in my new book, but first of all, I have all the, uh, what I call innovation excellence, the principles and everything in there. And, uh -huh. uh, and uh, but I also made sure that, uh, that I uh, 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 talk about the transformation that has to happen at the same time. And then um, I wrote the book as a business novel because now I can describe the behaviors and everything. And I can describe the feelings and the emotions and everything. Um, they, they are not well described in a bullet list than in a, in a spreadsheet, by the way. Uh, you, you, describe, yeah. you describe them by describing a person who, uh, who acts like that. And, uh, so, uh, and I had plenty of stories I, that I uh, ran across uh, during my, uh, my career as an engineer, my career as a consultant that I could, uh, that I could bring in there. So there was no shortage on stories. So the stories make it uh, exciting. But they also um, uh, uh, bring out uh, or give a very vivid description of the behaviors, good or bad or whatever, and of the cultural uh, change that uh, that has to happen. So uh, that was my objective for the uh, for the book. But uh, don't forget, it starts with the complete a complete good process of innovation. And um, I think that process is, is important because it sets the stage for the culture. And it is a process that, uh, that eliminates the fear, that makes people comfortable at, at, at doing this stuff. And, uh, and then um, tying it directly to all the cultural um, changes that has to happen at the same time. Uh, I think that's the right way to do it. And, uh, and I was able to describe it just like that, the simultaneous um, implementation of the of the processes and the the, the, the change in the culture so and in a way don't the processes drive the behavior and vice versa right I mean it, of course it's, if, if you if you try to if you try to implement the process and you don't think about well for example asking the question what is the most critical question we need to answer on this particular project? And you as a leader are not willing to hear people's ideas about what the risk is of various problems that you're facing or challenges you need to overcome. If you don't want to hear that stuff, then you're never going to get to a good critical question. Never mind, the, you know, actually yeah. running some experiments. Right. But uh, on the other hand, if you don't have the process, you could ask, you could, as a, you could be a very open leader asking all the wrong questions that don't drive things forward. Yeah. I think it's a very astute observation that you, you need both sides, right? You can it's not all one and, and all the other. Yeah. I, uh, if I want to, uh, if I could uh, quote my uh, friends uh, from the Shingo Institute here, they say that uh, uh, the Ideal uh, processes inspire the ideal behaviors, and I think that is something that I have uh, that I have seen many times. So, and, uh, so, so the book is called "Winning Innovation: How yeah. Innovation Excellence Profiles an Industry Icon, or Propels an Industry Icon Towards 
sustained prosperity. So, and that, yeah. So that'll be in the show notes for people to check out. Yeah, it's actually the story um, of uh, of a company that they make the best product um, uh, in the world, uh, but their revenues are not uh, world class, and um, in fact, their revenues are going down. And it's the it's the the uh, the owner of the company um, wants to retire soon, and he has to um, uh, double the value of the company as fast as he um, is able to do it. And uh, his attempts uh, so far uh, did not quite work. And um, uh, he uh, embarks on what I call innovation excellence, uh, the process to bring innovation and the culture in at the same time. And uh, that actually, uh, uh, at the end of the day, uh, of the book gets him to his goals. But um, uh, the, the, uh, there was a lot of in between that, that had to There's always that in between, right? You know, the goal looks nice and shiny and you know where you were but the path along the way is rocky right and And there might be some obstacles uh, i called it winning innovation because this company uh they um uh uh, this is an italian bicycle company they win all the bicycle races and they know very well how to win on the road but they don't they have forgotten how to win in the business and uh, so that's why i called it uh winning innovation because I try to make them learn from how do they win the races and uh, uh, bring that same oh, culture cool. into their company. And uh, that's where the title that's... is coming from. So. Right. And and, and you're, you're a bicyclist yourself, right? You're a cyclist. Yeah, that's so. why I uh, felt comfortable writing about that. Well, uh, it would not have been good me writing about uh, pharmaceutical pharmaceutical. <laughs> <laughs> So write, write, write about what you love. There yeah, go. yeah, yeah. So, no, Barb, we've talked about a lot. We've talked about your career. We've talked about the revelations that you've had in your career about how it's not just process, it's, it's people. What's your one piece of advice for a young person starting out? Yeah, I uh, talked about why I uh, went into engineering. I thought about that at the beginning. And um, I I believe that still today, a lot of young people go into engineering thinking uh, about engineering. They love um, uh, to work with the technical pieces. They love to work with data and so on. Uh, but um, when they go into the industry, it, um, they, they will have to learn a lot. Uh, like I give you a few examples there. And... Um, uh, you know, we all talk about uh, live and learn. Okay, we live it and we learn from it. And uh, it took me a whole career to do that. So mm. um, I like to say now, uh, learn and then live it right. Okay. And uh, so, how can you do that learning? And um, think um, uh, I would encourage young people to take more responsibility for that learning from the very beginning. Uh, it. it be learned. It, uh, some companies, i uh, give you an example, they actually uh, try to teach it, uh, but uh, other companies don't. So uh, for me, uh, how can you um, uh, get the experience of all the mistakes that I made? How can you get that uh, within a few months uh, at work? And uh, some advice there um, uh, to seek it out is uh, to, to talk to use the resources that, yeah. that are given to them to start with, but then also to get 
find themselves the right mentor, the right coach, uh, uh, somebody who um, who has been through this and uh, is willing to to share it and is willing to um, uh, to to even do on the job coaching with people so those are very important things and to seek out the right um, education the company may not offer that education but uh, uh, to uh, to find it and to ask for it is is, is very appropriate and then uh, also maybe uh, keep in close contact with uh, with their friends in college and uh, some people may have figured it out uh, uh, and some people may uh, be at a company where a uh, good uh, education like that is is being offered. So that is, um, uh, as I said, uh, don't live and learn, but learn and then live it right, uh, I think is, uh, is something I, very important that I would like to give uh, as advice to, to, to many um, uh, college students. Uh, they are way over-prepared technically, but there's no doubt about that. But they are way under-prepared on the human side. And it's the, it's the human side that's responsible for career not the not the technical side so, so get prepared on the human side yeah That's, i love uh, that and and um yeah find find those coaches and, and mentors and, and your company doesn't offer that that human sided education the people education there's there's lots of other ways to get that okay. that's all great advice thank you Nobert. hey Nobert, thank you so much for traveling with me to the edges of lean well, hey, uh, I enjoyed it. I, uh, uh, I am glad to talk to uh, another expert in it. And, uh, uh, and uh, oh, thanks. I, uh, uh, you seem to have very similar experience during your career than I had uh, during mine, even though it was in a totally different uh, uh, business segment. But hey, the human part is the same in all of them. You know? that, is, that is absolutely true. Thanks, Norbert. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for um, letting me share my, uh, my ideas. This is Bella Engelbach, and I'd like to thank Norbert Majerus for being my guest on the Ages of Lean. Do you think that there are differences between a lean culture and a culture for lean innovation? Would you like to learn more? We would love to hear from you. Find Norbert at leandriveninnovation.com or on LinkedIn. Norbert's new book, Winning Innovation, How Innovation Excellence Propels an Industry Icon Towards Sustained Prosperity, is available at your favorite bookseller. Find me on LinkedIn or at leanforhumans.com or comment wherever you watch or listen. Subscribe and tell a friend about the edges of lean. Please join me in exploring more of the edges of lean. There's a lot to learn. And check out my friends in the Lean Communicators community at leancommunicators.com. You'll find more podcasts and videos with lots of great new content every week. The Edges of Lean is written and produced by Bella Engelbach with support from Podcast Inc. This is a Lean for Humans production.